Um, we're going to dive right into today's session. So let's start with a word of, with a word of prayer. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for your grace that you have lavishly um, bestowed upon us. We thank you for the opportunity to gather and fellowship together um, with your word. Holy Spirit, we ask, Holy Spirit, we ask that you grant unto us, us insight and revelation, grant unto us wisdom in the knowledge of your word in the name of Jesus Christ. Cause that our hearts be enlightened and illuminated and that the spirit of your word rest upon our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, praise God. So, um, who, who among us was able to go through the Bible study and um, through the um, notes we sent earlier? That's for those of us in the group. Was anyone able to go through the notes? Anybody? Okay, nobody went through the notes. All right, all right. So I'm going to start. Uh, I need a group, but you can, if there's an email, you can send to us too or something like that. I will be able to Okay, okay. Um, I'll, if you don't mind, you could join the group, I would suggest, so that I okay. get um, information firsthand. I would, okay. let me just do that right now. Okay. Let's drop the, let me send the link to the group immediately. I'm dropping it in the chat. Okay, so that anyone that comes after can have access to it. Just follow that link and to take you to our WhatsApp group. All right, so like we said last week, we are, we are going to start a, a series, I call it Revival Series, um, for the next three weeks. Or, and it's basically on prayer. So today we're going to look at the, the three dimensions of prayer. Um, next week, we're going to look at fasting and prayer. And the week following that, we're going to focus on praying in tongues. So we want to see from the word of God, you know, what all of these things are. All right. So today we're going to start with um, the three dimensions of the word. And just like, sorry, three dimensions of prayer. Beg your pardon. And just like I put in the group, um, we have the father, so we have father, we have friend, and we have judge, all right? And what these three dimensions represent are, are, the, are the instances in which Jesus Christ educated us about prayer, all right? And when you check the scripture, you see that when Jesus Christ spoke about prayer, he spoke about prayer in, in these three contexts. So the context of the father, context of friend, and the context of a judge, so we want to explore these three contexts, uh, what I call dimensions, and see what they mean um, to us and how we can engage in these three dimensions. But just as, as a background info, um, prayer, so we find all of these, these three instances in the book of Luke. And if you remember from our Bible study we did, when we started the, um, the I Am, when we started the I Am statements of Jesus, where, where Jesus Christ revealed himself, we started by explaining the four Gospels and their significance and, you know, what they represent. And if you can recall, we spoke, when we spoke about the four Gospels, we mentioned that the book of Luke presents Jesus Christ as a man, all right? Whereas the, the book of Matthew presents Jesus as a king, the book of uh, Mark presents Jesus as a servant, the book of Luke presents Jesus as a man, and then the book of John presents Jesus as um, divinity. So we see that in the book of Luke, represents Jesus as a man. And it is not a coincidence that all the three instances of prayer were recorded in the book of Luke. 
because Luke was trying to show us, and, and prayer is one of the emphasis of the emphasis of the book of Luke. And what Luke was trying to what Luke was trying to show us was that um, was that Jesus Christ wasn't just the Son of God; he was also a man that depended depended on God, and depe our dependence of God is largely expressed through prayers. So Luke ha contains the four three instances in which um, um, in which prayer Jesus Christ explained prayer. I believe it was it was intentional to show us that Jesus Christ, even though he was on earth. And even though he was God, rather, but while on earth, he depended on, on God the Father. And the major way we show our dependence and reliance on God is through the experience of prayer. All right. So I just want to give us that background, that background knowledge. Okay, so let's go right in. So there are three dimensions of prayer, or three instances, or three contexts, however way you would like to put it, in which Jesus Christ explained prayer to us. And these three um, contexts are number one, father, number two, friend, and number three, um, George. All right, so let us go right in. We're going to take a, a reading um, from Luke chapter 11. And the first context we want to look at is the context of father. So Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 4. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 4. Just for the record, um, we're going to pray towards at the end of this Bible session. So I just wanted to give us a heads up. Um, so I'll try, I'm, I'm aiming to finish in about 15 minutes so we can use extra 20 minutes to pray. Okay, so Luke chapter 11, if anyone is there, please go ahead and read for us. Luke chapter 11 from verse 1 to 4. All right, anyone there? Or do I go ahead? Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was in prayer, one of the disciples came over to him as he finished and said, Would you teach us a model prayer that we can pray, just like John did for his disciples? So Jesus taught them this prayer. Our Heavenly Father, may the glory of your name be the center in which our life turns. May the Holy Spirit come upon us and cleanse us. Manifest your kingdom on earth and give us our needed bread for the coming day. Forgive our sins as we, as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us and rescue us every time we face tribulations. Praise God. Thank you, Faith. So what happened here was that Jesus, I mean, his Jesus' disciples had noticed that um, the disciples of John, that's John the Baptist, um, they knew how to pray or they had a way of praying and out of out of you know curiosity, one day they they approached Jesus, and by the way, they had seen Jesus pray several times. They had witnessed him pray a number of times, but on this particular occasion, they told they, they saw Jesus Christ praying, and there they were in praying. So they waited for him to finish praying, and when when he finished praying, the disciples came to Jesus and said, um, "Jesus, do you mind teaching us how to pray? You know, because uh, we see John John's disciples praying." But we feel left out of the whole adventure. So can you show us how to pray? Is there a, is there a pattern? Is there a, a method of praying? What do we say? What, what do we do when we pray? And in response to that, Jesus Christ began to show them a pattern of prayer. Now, the first thing I want you to note here is that although Jesus Christ had been praying all this while, and although Jesus Christ knew how to pray, he never bothered disciples about prayer until they came up to him to ask him about prayer, ask him to teach them about prayer. 
Now, there's several other things that the disciples did not have to ask Jesus to teach them. Jesus, by himself, decided to teach them. He taught them several things about the kingdom, taught them several things about the Pharisees, taught them about forgiveness without them asking any question. But when it came to prayer, Jesus Christ waited until they, they, were, they, were desired, they, were, they were thirsty enough, until they desired enough before he began to teach them. That's because with prayer, if, it's, if prayer is not learned with the intention to be practiced, then the knowledge can, can lead to pride. So if someone just wants to know about prayer simply because he wants to learn all the styles and methods and, and linguistics about prayer, then it will end up becoming a, a knowledge that leads to pride. But when prayer is desired, when, when someone desires to know how to pray because he actually wants to pray, then there's so much power in that, um, in that desire. All right, so Jesus didn't teach the disciples about prayer until they themselves were hungry and were thirsty enough to, to want to know about prayer. And in Jesus' um, Jesus's teaching about prayer, the first thing he said, and um, we see this in verse, in verse 4, he said, and he said unto them, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven. So Jesus Christ was first teaching his disciples about prayer. And the primary, the foundation upon which he, he, he lays um, the, the building of prayer upon is the foundation of the Father. Meaning that Jesus Christ was basically saying in essence that the only way prayer can begin and the only way prayer can have an impact is that the person you are praying to must first be recognized as your father. And this, this may seem like a simple revelation, but it is very powerful. And this is one of the reasons why our prayer as Christians differ from, from prayer in any other religion. I mean, Christianity is not the only religion that prays. Almost every religion has a form of prayer uh, or the other. However, one of the things that makes our prayers as Christians significantly different and powerful is that the person we are praying to, we have, an, we have a relationship with that person. Because you know what a relationship does is that, um, just imagine your, your mom or your dad, for instance, there are some things you, you, you want to say to your mom that you don't necessarily have to speak everything in English or you don't have to speak it in your language. There are some things that instinctively your mom knows what you are trying to say or your dad understands what you are trying to say. And the reason why he, he or your mom or your dad can understand that is because you are their child, you are their son or you are their daughter. Um, that relationship creates a, fills up a gap that communication cannot, um, cannot execute. So there's a gap in communication that if you left to words alone, will not be adequately, it will not be adequately sufficient for us to express ourselves. And it is that gap that relationship alone can, can fill. And that's one of the power and importance of relationship with God. That the person we are praying to is not an abstract, he's not just a God, but he's our father. All right. And prayer is founded upon this relationship. So Jesus Christ was saying to his disciples that when you go to pray, say our father. That means you need to acknowledge that the person you are praying to is our father. And this is the first this is the first, um, first dimension in which prayer is, prayer is experienced. And that's the dimension of, of fatherhood. That's the dimension of, um, of us relating to God as a father. And in this dimension, all right, all right, let, let's continue first. Let me show something. So it says, um, when you pray, say, our father who, who art in heaven, it says, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done um, on, as, as, in, as in heaven, so on earth. 
Then verse 3 begins to say, give us this day our daily bread. So there's now a request. And it says, um, forgive us our sins as we also forgive um, those that are indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. If you read the translate, if you read the record in Matthew, it goes on to say, and deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Now, what, what the first thing I want to point out in this dimension of prayer is that because the prayer is hinged upon our relationship with God as our Father, God bears most of the responsibility in, in, a, in the context of this prayer. So when Jesus Christ was teaching disciples prayer, when he said, talk to God as a Father, the subsequent um, nature of the prayer shows that um, it shows one of dependency and reliance on God. Meaning we in, in, in this dimension of prayer, we are relying totally on the, gener on the generosity on, of God we are relying totally on the relationship we have with God as our Father. And I wrote here that in this dimension of prayer, the Father bears the relationship, um, bears the responsibility, sorry. The Father bears the responsibility while we, we, we adopt the posture of dependence on God. So we come to God as a child or, or as his children, and then he, the Father, bears the responsibility for, the, for what, we are, what we, we are desirous of. So Jesus Christ said, oh, pray this way. Give, give us this day our daily bread. So God is the one giving us. He says, oh, forgive our trespasses. God is the one forgiving us. There is little responsibility placed on us in this dimension of prayer because our dependence is on, is on God. All right? Now, prayer is in this dimension of prayer also, we are most effective when we know the character of God. Now, remember that we are in this dimension of prayer. The, the, this prayer is hinged upon the fact that God is our Father. So it, there is a relationship that must be established. And an unbeliever cannot pray in this way. An unbeliever cannot pray in this dimension of prayer. An unbeliever doesn't, doesn't the prayer of an unbeliever doesn't fit into this context. The prayer of an unbeliever is that of, of, a, of a creature relating to his creator. Is that of a human being relating to a God. But in this context of prayer, a believer prays to the Father, not just as God, but as a Father. He prays to the Father as one who has, who has established. All right. Um, can, I'm not sure what happened. Please just let me know if you can hear me. We can hear you, but you are upside down. Okay. Okay, yeah, I have, I have I fixed that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, let's proceed. So, in this... In this dimension, um, the believer knows that God is his father and he comes to God as a father, all right? He comes to God not as a stranger, not as, as one of the creatures of God. I mean, God created the whole world and everything in it. God created angels. God created the birds and the sea and everything. But in this dimension, the believer doesn't come to God as a creation of God. The believer comes to God as a child of God. So there's a lot of dependence on the father. There's a lot of reliance on the father. There's a lot of, the basis of this prayer is the relationship. And I need to emphasize this. And I also need to state that this is where prayer begins from. If there is no relationship established with God as your father, then prayer in itself does not even exist yet. Okay. And next I want to say is that in this dimension of prayer, the believer must understand the character of God if his or her prayer would be effective. Because this person you are, you are, that you've called your father, you must know his character. You must know his, um, his traits. You must know the things he, he can do and the things that he can't do. And in the same book of Luke chapter 11, if you go down to verse 
If you go down to verse 11, um, verse 11 to 13, I'll just read it quickly. Jesus began to give us an insight into the character of the Father, all right? Verse 11 says, If a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more your heavenly father, um, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? So Jesus Christ was drawing a comparison between earthly fatherhood. I was trying to tell the people that think about it logically, that you who, which of you are um, earthly fathers, Will your child come and ask for a bread, ask for bread and you give him stone, or ask for fish and you give him snake and all of that? And Jesus said, if you who, who are evil by nature know how to do good to your children, how much more the father who doesn't have any trace of evil in him? The Bible says that darkness, there's no darkness in him. Meaning that you must know the quality and the and the character of your father for your prayers to be effective. And why this is important is because a lot of times people come. People approach the father in in prayer with a mindset that is that is not um, is not consistent with the nature and the character of the father. Sometimes the people, sometimes Christians approach the father in prayer with the idea that the father is going to condemn them, the father is going to slam them for doing whatever they did, the father is going to criticize them and and throw them out of his presence. Other times the pe people come to the, to the presence of, presence of God with timidity, feeling that I can't, what I want, I want to ask God for, I can't really ask him for it because I don't know if God will hear me. Maybe you think I'm more serious. You know, people have different ideas and different perspective of, of God the Father. But for your prayer to be effective in this dimension, your prayer must be hinged upon the revelation of God as your, as your Father. And number two, you must know the character of your Father. You must understand the, what your Father can do and what, what he cannot do. And so if you also take, take, take a close look at where we just read um, from verse 11 to verse 13, Jesus Christ was showing that in, in displaying the character of the father, he was showing the dependency that the child has on the father. So he was saying basically that if the child asks the father for bread or asks the father um, for, for, for egg or for, for whatever fish, that the father will give him what he asks for. He won't give him anything poisonous or dangerous or harmful. What Jesus Christ was showing also in this um, analogy was the fact that in this dimension of prayer, the Father is responsible. The Father is a giver. In fact, we, we, we do very little in this dimension of prayer other than just receiving from the Father. All right? So this is the first dimension of prayer that a believer must understand, that God is your Father. First and foremost, before any other thing, before any other experience in prayer, that God is your Father. God is the one that is responsible for your life. He's the one, in fact, when you read the book of Matthew chapter 6, where the Lord's prayer is, um, is being captured, Josh Christ was explaining that, um, look at the lilies of the, of the field, look at the beds of the air. They don't sow, they don't, they don't reap, they don't toil, they don't do anything, yet the Father takes responsibility for them. And we must understand as Christians the character of our Father, that he is responsible for us. He's glad to take responsibility for our lives, all right? So this is the first dimension of prayer. And I said here that the confidence we have in prayer is dependent on our knowledge of his character. And the reason why this is important is so that when things don't go as planned, we know that the character of our father supersedes the outcome of our prayers. 
So for instance, if someone was praying to get admission um, to for masters, for instance, or get admission or apply maybe for a job or um, or apply maybe for a, a contract or for promotion, and then at the end of the day, he doesn't get or he or she doesn't get the outcome that was desired. Now, it's possible for the person to begin to feel sad and sorrowful that, oh, God didn't hear my prayer. Um, I don't know why, but, you know, God didn't hear my prayer. And he begins to feel sad. But in such moments when things don't go as planned, your anchor, your, your solid ground is that you know the character of your father. That no matter what the outcome is, the character of, the character of your father is that God's plan for you is good and not of evil. That God always wants the best for you. So understanding God's character is a, is a significant anchor to our, to our lives, especially when things don't go as planned, all right? So this is the first dimension of, of prayer. And just to conclude this dimension, let me say two things that you must understand about God. You must understand God's integrity, meaning God says what he means and means what he says, that whatever God says, he's committed in entirety to accomplish it. Number two, you must understand his power, that God doesn't just have integrity, but God has capacity. God doesn't just have the, um, doesn't have the character to, to be consistent with his word, but he has the power to back up his word. So you must know those two things, his integrity and his, and his power. All right. So let's go to the next um, dimension. So again, for those of us just joining us, we're looking at the dimensions, three dimensions of prayer. And the first dimension of prayer is the fatherhood dimension, where we see God as our father. Now, the second dimension is a dimension of, of friend. And um, we see this also contained in the book of Luke chapter 11. All right, so someone should please read for us. Luke chapter 11 from verse 5, still within the same context that Jesus Christ um, explained, you know, the Lord's Prayer. Luke chapter 5, sorry, Luke chapter 11, verse 5 to verse 10. Anyone can read for us, please. Luke chapter 11. From verse 5 to verse 10. If you are there, you can go ahead. Luke 11 from verse 5 to 10. Yes, please. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. He said to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my friend and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for, for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Thank you. Thank you so much, Idara. So this is the second dimension. Now, Jesus was going further to explain to them about prayer. So remember that the, this chapter started by the disciples asking Jesus to teach them about prayer, all right? And so the first thing he introduced them about prayer was the dimension of relating to God as a father. Now, the second context in which Jesus Christ explained prayer was in the context of friends. And um, I want us to look critically at this illustration that Jesus Christ gave. But first of all, in this illustration, um, just to state for the record that the friend here wasn't, wasn't referring to God, okay? Because 
um, um, God, God doesn't reject us whenever we, we meet him, okay, no matter time of the day. However, just Christ used this context to show us certain things. And I want us to look closely at, at the scripture. So he said that, um, he gave an illustration that says, so there's this friend um, that had another friend come visit him in the night, but he didn't have loaf, he didn't have bread or, or food to entertain this his, uh, midnight visitor. So he went to his other friend's house to knock. And what I want you to see here is starting from verse from verse 5. He says that which of you um, have a friend, right, and I shall go unto him at midnight. So there's something I just, want, I just want to point briefly, right, about midnight, that when you check through scriptures, right, midnight represents a couple of things. And one of it is that it's a season in which you are actively looking for something. You are looking for something that is, is significant to you and that you are in dire need of you're either looking for an answer or a solution or something that is valuable that, to you. And so when you read the, um, the story of, um, of what's his name, Nicodemus, the Bible says in John chapter 3 that Nicodemus came in the night season to ask of Jesus. So it was in the night season that Nicodemus came to require, he came to inquire of Jesus Christ um, of certain things that had been bothering him. And if you read Psalm chapter 16, verse 7, the Bible says that I'll bless the Lord um, at all times, he says that he now, he now says that my reigns do instruct me in the night season. So the night season is where we seek instruction, where we seek um, we seek for things that are very important to us. Right. So I believe this is significant, and the illustration that Jesus Christ gave represents a season where we are actually searching for answers. We are searching for things that are pressing to us, and you see this as we proceed in the in the reading. Now, verse verse. So the guy, the guy knocks on his friend's door and the friend says that, I mean, I can't, I can't come and answer you now because it's late at night. My, my family is asleep and everyone, everyone has gone to bed. I, I, I genuinely cannot answer you now. Meaning that the environmental factors were not conducive. Everything was, was against this um, friend who was seeking for, for bread for his visitor. All right. All the factors were against him. However, look at what verse 9 says. And verse 8, sorry. He said, Jesus said, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he's his friend, meaning that if it was even based on friendship, that he's still not qualified to get an answer. What Jesus Christ was explaining here is that in this type of, in this dimension of prayer, okay, that even, even when, when the bond of friendship fails, the, the principle that this dimension of prayer presents to us will still go further than the bond of friendship can sustain. And that's what, what Jesus Christ was explaining in verse 8. That even though this guy will not respond to his to the friend knocking on his door because he's his friend, meaning I don't know how long they'll be friends, I don't know what they've done together as friends, but at this point, the friendship was not sufficient reason for him to answer this guy. However, look at what Jesus Christ said. Yet, because of his importunity, um, the version that that Idara read for says because of his shameless persistence, meaning because of his continuity, because of his doggedness and persistence, right? He says that yet he will rise and give him as many as he needs, meaning that even though friendship was not sufficient reason to attend to this guy, however, because of his persistence, at the end of the day, that this guy will get as much as he's seeking for, even though he came in the middle of the night, even though he came when the family and, he, and everyone was asleep, yet because of his shameless persistence, this guy will get what he wants. 
So this dimension of prayer, okay, the French, this, this dimension of prayer that Jesus Christ communicated to us using the illustration of friends, this dimension, right, requires that you want, you are actively looking for something and you will not relent until you get what you are looking for. So in this dimension of prayer, your persistence is the key. And this is something that we must, I, I, I feel we need to really emphasize this night, that your persistence is the key. That even though the, the thing you are looking for may not come to you because of the, of the several factors, however, because of your persistence, because of your opportunity, because of your shameless, re, re, um, re, uh, what's the word now? Shameless, help you with the word, your shameless persistence in, in what you are looking for. All right, because of that, um, that disposition towards prayer, the Bible says that you will get as much as you need. Praise Jesus. All right, so because this concept of prayer, now to take this further down, this concept of prayer is not the concept. First of all, there is no concept of prayer in the scriptures that say um, you, you need to pray for something once, and when you pray for something once, just forget about it. That means it's been answered. No, there's no concept of prayer that says you should pray for something once as a, as a sign of faith. What I mean is, you know, sometimes some people came up to say that if you really have faith, then you don't need to pray for something twice. You just need to pray for it once and go. That means God has answered it if you really have faith. But when you check through scriptures, there's actually no principle like that and there's no precedence like that that says you only need to pray for something once and then that you need to walk once you pray for it once you need to go and as a sign of faith just pray once and then your your prayer is answered there's absolutely nothing like that in scripture because when you check through the examples of scripture you see that people pray several times they prayed until they got an answer they did not pray once and just assume it has been answered no if god gave an answer the first time perfect but if god didn't give an answer the first time then they prayed the second time and if god didn't give an answer the second time they prayed the third time the fifth time the hundredth time until God gave an answer, until they received a response from heaven, all right? So this dimension of prayer, your result in this dimension of prayer is hinged upon your, your persistence in prayer. It's hinged upon your shameless insistence on the will of God, on what God has placed in your heart and on what you, you desire to accomplish in the place of prayer, okay? So in this dimension of prayer, we pray until we get a response. And that is what Jesus Christ was saying in verse, in verse 9. So if you read verse 9 from, from the KJV or from some other translations, it may read, um, um, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened. But when you read from Amplified and some other translations, it says, ask and keep on asking. That is the persistence. Meaning if you are, if you are seeking for a, 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 an, an answer or for a response, in a particular area of your life. You don't ask once and then go to bed. No, the Bible says you ask and you keep on asking. And in that, in that process, you will now receive an answer. It says seek and keep on seeking and then you shall find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door shall be opened unto you. And sadly, there are a lot of believers who asked and gave up halfway and they didn't receive an answer. They, they felt because they prayed about this matter five times and God didn't answer them, meaning it was a sign for them to let go of it. No. God always responds. The question is, are we persistent enough to wait for an answer? God always gives us to find. God always, we, we will always find. In fact, the way the Bible puts it is that anybody who asks and keep on asking must receive. Anybody who seeks and keep on seeking must find. Meaning if you ask and you gave up without receiving an answer, it was not God's fault. 
it was your fault. It was you that gave up too soon. And that's something we now see in this dimension of prayer. You see, in the dimension of prayer, prayer uh, where God, where we are relating with God as a father, in that dimension, the responsibility largely lies on God, all right? But in this dimension of prayer, the responsibility lies on our persistence. So if we do not get a response, it is not because God did not want to answer, but rather it is because we were not patient and persistent enough in the place of prayer to receive an answer from God. So in this dimension of prayer, the key word here is persistence. Yes, God is your father. We, we know that. But when it comes to certain dimensions of prayer, your persistence is the key. God, this, this dimension of prayer does not, does not take into account the fact that God is your father. Yes, God is your father, of course. Like, like I said, that's the foundation of, of all prayer. However, in this dimension of prayer, your result is hinged upon your doggedness, where, where you need to be persistent. And, you know, it feels like in this day and time, there are a lot of, uh, permit me to say this way, there are a lot of chicken Christians. Christians are just, they are just chicken out of situations simply because they feel, oh, I prayed, I prayed the first time, no answer. I prayed for three days now, I don't get an answer. Or I fasted for 21 days, God did not answer me, and then they go to sleep. God is an immortal. God doesn't dwell in the, in the age of time. So God doesn't get tired. You are the only one that thinks that time will weary you. But God doesn't get weary. So, and God is a king. You cannot force God to give an answer. If you come the first day, he doesn't give an answer. You have to come the second day. You keep coming until he answers you. And what, I'm, what, what, what we're talking about, we see several examples um, in scriptures, okay? Number one example, we, we see the story of, of Elijah. Elijah was going to, already Elijah had declared that there wouldn't be rain. And for three and a half, rain, three and a half years, there was no rain. You would expect that when it was time for rain to come, Elijah would just come and declare. The same way he declared there should be no rain at once and there was no rain. You expect that Elijah should also come and declare at once that rain should fall and rain will fall. But no, it wasn't so. Elijah, in fact, he first of all sensed the abundance of rain, told Ahab to go and eat because he can sense the abundance of rain. The next thing he did was that he went to the mountain to go and pray. And he, he prayed once. He didn't, see, he didn't get a response. He prayed the second time, he didn't get a response. He prayed the third time, he didn't get a response. Up till the seventh time before he saw a sign in the clouds. And then he knew that heaven had responded. And we need to be, we need to have that mindset. You know, we part of the um the scriptures that talk about prayer is John chapter, first John chapter, um, chapter five from verse 14. All right. And the Bible says that, sorry, James, I beg your pardon, not first John, James chapter four, verse 17. He says that Elijah was a man of like passion. So he gives us an example of prayer and he uses Elijah as an example. And if we're going to take that example in its entirety, then we need to acknowledge that Elijah didn't pray only once. He prayed and he prayed and he kept on praying until heaven responded. And we need to adopt that posture in our experiences in prayer. That prayer is not an activity you just carry out once and say, oh, because I prayed, and I'm just satisfied. No, you don't measure prayer by how long you spend praying. You measure prayer by the response you've gotten in the place of prayer. So if you pray for three days and the answer doesn't come, you continue praying. If you pray for seven days and the answer doesn't come, you continue praying. You pray. The Bible says, seek and keep on seeking, and then you will find. Praise Jesus. You know, especially when it, when it has to deal with um, setting questions about our lives. You are seeking direction for, from God. You are seeking the next step for, from God. 
you don't just pray and say, oh God, give me direction. And after three days of praying, forgive me direction, you now keep quiet. No, you continue praying until you get an answer from God. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. So I said here that, um, let me skip a couple of things I mentioned. So I said in this dimension of prayer, yes, our response is not predicated on relationship, but on our relentlessness. So it is not that, oh, you know, God is my father. And I, again, there are a lot of, um, a lot of baby Christians that enjoy the fatherhood dimension. Remember, in the fatherhood dimension, God is responsible. You know, God lavishes his grace, lavishes his, his benevolence on you. When you pretty much don't do anything, okay? Uh, but that is just the foundation. When you proceed, progress and proceed in your work with God, you now get to this dimension where, where, where your relentlessness is what determines the outcome of your prayer. But unfortunately, a lot of Christians love to love to camp around the dimension of God as father. So they say, oh, God is my father. He'll provide. I don't why do I need to fast for 21 days. No, 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 no. God is my God. You know, I just say what a prayer and then God provides. I just say, in fact, God, I just need a new, a new shoe. And the next day, God just sends me a shoe. Wow, that's great. Awesome. But that's just the beginning part. As you proceed with God, you now need to learn how to be persistent and consistent in prayer. There are certain prayers where you pray for months. There are certain prayers where you pray for the whole year. There are certain prayers where you pray for several years and you never stop praying until God gives you a response. Okay? Another example of this is Jesus Christ. That um, um, When he was going to go to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says that Jesus Christ prayed three times and in those three occasions, he was praying exact same thing. He was saying, Father, not my will, but your will. He said, if this cup can pass for me, let it pass away, but not my will, let, um, yet let it be a will that will be done. And Jesus Christ prayed the exact same prayer three times until he got a satisfaction in his spirit that sufficient grace had been released. And the Bible lets us know that angels came and ministered to him. So until heaven responded, Jesus did not stop. And let me say this to you as an encouragement. Don't stop praying until heaven responds. Don't get weary in prayer. Continue praying until heaven responds. Another classic example in the New Testament is Apostle Paul. The Bible says that three times Paul prayed that this crop and um, that this thorn be taken out of him because he had a thorn in his flesh. And the Bible says that on those three occasions, God replied that my grace is sufficient for you. So in this dimension of prayer, you must be relentless. Okay, your persistence is the is what will determine the outcome of your prayer. All right. Oh, one, one last example. Um, one last, last example. We look at Abraham, the, the story of Abraham and how when God visited him and how that he was going to, God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. This is in, found in Genesis chapter 18, verse 23 to 33. And God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and God said, how can I hide, you know, this thing I'm about to do from Abraham? And, and God began to talk to Abraham. And what God, what Abraham did was that Abraham began to began to press on into God. He said, God, if there are 50 people, will you destroy the place? God said, no, I won't destroy if there are 50 people. Abraham said, okay, how about 45? God said, no. How about 40? God said, no. Abraham was, was persistent. He was pushing the, pushing the boundary. He was insisting till he got to five. And after that point, Abraham knew that, man, there was no hope again for, um, for the children of for the, for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that shows persistence in the place of prayer because Abraham kept on pros, um, progressing and kept on persisting in that place of prayer until 
he knew that at this point there was nothing that um, that could be done for this for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. So please let us as believers let's mature into the dimension where we are persistent in our prayers, where our prayers is not just um, God give me food, God give me water, God give me bread. You know, if you look at the Lord's prayer, like like I said earlier, there's um, a lot of reliance on the benevolence of God. But when we progress to this dimension of prayer, our Persistence is what determines our, our, our outcome. Praise Jesus. All right. So that's the second dimension of prayer, the friend dimension. And I'm, I, I'm guessing that someone was thinking, oh, in this dimension, I will talk to God as my friend. Oh, yes, but that, there's that aspect of prayer. But this, God, Jesus Christ gave us this illustration to show that even when the bond of friendship fails, that even when things, and this is something you need to know about the power of prayer, that there may not be any legal or any relational basis for an answer to come, but your persistence is what will grant you the desired outcome. So you must be persistent in the place of prayer. Praise Jesus. All right, so that's the second dimension of prayer. The third dimension of prayer, we look at, um, again, we'll see this in the book of Luke chapter 18. So Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. Someone should please... Should please read for us Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. If you're there, you can please go ahead and read for us. Anyone want to help us quickly? Luke 18, 1 to 8. One day, Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying and never stop or lose hope. We shared with them this illustration. In a certain town, there was a judge. This a thick-skinned and godless man who had no fear of others' opinion. And there was a poor widow in that town who kept pleading with the judge, grant me justice and protect me against my oppressors. He did not have peace for quite some time. But she kept asking. Eventually, he said to himself, this widow keeps annoying me, demanding her rights, and I am tired of listening to her. Even though I am not a religious man, I don't care about the opinions of others. I would, I would just get her off my back by answering her claims for justice and I will rule in favor of her. Then she would leave me alone. The Lord continued, did you hear what the ungodly judge said? That he would answer her persistent request. Don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all of his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? He will pour out his spirit upon them. He will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. God will give sweet justice to those who do not give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting, just like the widow was with the judge. Yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of persistent faithfulness in his people? Wow. Um, I saw of this translation. Or, um, Faith, please, what translation is this? Passion. Passion translation, I, I need to write that down. This is so, so, so powerful, all right? Um, thanks for helping us, Faith. Now, the third dimension of prayer is what Jesus Christ just explained here, and I call it the, um, the dimension of a judge, all right? And Jesus Christ started this verse, um, verse one of Luke chapter 18. He started by, the scripture started by explaining to us why Jesus Christ gave this parable. And he said that he gave them this parable so that they will know that men ought always to pray and not to give up. Men ought always to pray and not to faint, all right? 
let me just say something in passing here that <clears throat> the opposite of of prayerlessness is or the opposite rather of um, being prayerful is fainting that actually there's no there's no way in the bible where the bible talks of anything called prayerlessness all right the opposite of a prayerful life is a fainting life so if you see somebody who is fainting right who is weary who is weak that means it's just a sign that the person isn't prayerful i just want to chip that in okay so he just guys began to explain that so he began to explain this dimension of prayer and he uses the context of a judge in this dimension of prayer and i'm just going to go quickly into the the core things that i want us to look at in this dimension of prayer the first thing is that this dimension of prayer is a legal dimension of prayer you know the first dimension of prayer we talked looked at um, was based on relationship okay meaning it was your a relationship with the father the second dimension was based upon our persistence and our our how we can be insistent and dogged in prayer now this dimension of prayer is captured within the framework of a legal experience. So it is captured within a legal context, meaning in this dimension of prayer, your relationship with, with God as, as your father is not what counts. Like I said, it is the foundation of all prayer, but in this dimension of prayer, the, your, the success of your prayer is not hinged upon your relationship. It is hinged upon your, your legal accuracy. And let, let, me, let, me take, let me explain what I mean by that. Now, imagine that I have a father that is a lawyer. Imagine my father is a lawyer, okay? At home, I can ask my dad for money, for instance, or ask my dad for food, and he will give it to me. But when we come to the court, to the courtroom, I cannot address my dad as my father in that courtroom. I have to address my dad as a judge. So I can't come and say, oh, daddy, daddy, but you said the other day that you're going to give me money. They will drive me out of the courtroom, out of his own courtroom. They will chase me out. The way I approach my father in the courtroom will be from a legal, legislative point of view. That means our success in prayer in this dimension is hinged upon our legal accuracy based on what on the word of God. And let me just say here that in this dimension of prayer, um, this is where prayer. This it is it is in this dimension of prayer that the devil can actually be part of the equation in this dimension. Let me explain what I mean. In the first dimension of prayer, when we are relating with God as a father, because it's a family affair, the devil doesn't have any place in that conversation. It's a father to his child, it's a father talking to his child or his child talking to his father, right? And the devil doesn't belong to our family as believers. So the devil is not captured in this dimension of prayer. And I need to also say this, that let me just chip this in, that if a believer, you know, goes, if a believer sins and, and you know, um, falls short, and the believer goes back to God. He's going back to God as his father. Now, the believer has the right to talk to God as his father. And the father welcomes the believer you know, and forgives him and receives him. And the devil doesn't have the right to be involved in that equation. And I just want to say this so that if, if anybody ever finds himself in a position where he's been accused of the devil for something he has done wrong, the devil doesn't have the right to be involved in family matter, in family affairs. Okay? So that's in that dimension. In the second dimension of prayer, where we are um, insistent and we're persistent, the devil is not part of that equation Equation because we are standing upon God's will and we're, we're, we're insistent upon what God has decided to do. However, in this third dimension of prayer, where, where, the, where the, the framework is legal, the devil has a right to be in that legal courtroom. And I'm going to show, to, show us from Scripture. 
And so because of the because of the fact that the devil can be part of that equation, we need to be skillful in the in the in the constitution, which is the word of God. We need to be skillful and aware of what the word of God says for us to achieve success in, in this dimension of prayer. Okay. All right. So I have gone ahead of myself, but let me see if I can trace my step back. So I said in this dimension of prayer, um, this dimension of prayer is based on legal accuracy, not on relationship. And again, this is a step further in maturity as believers, that there are times when you come and you need to know your legal grounds um, before God, before the courtroom of heaven, all right? Now, I'll just point out some legal terms in this story we just read. Number one legal term is, is the use of the word judge. And when you read um, verse, verse 8, when you read verse, um, when you read verse eight, yeah, no, sorry, when you read from verse six to verse eight, Jesus Christ said, was basically saying, how much more the God, the judge of the whole earth. So God is God is a judge. We need to understand that, all right? That God is God, yes, God is our Father, but God is also our judge. We must understand that, and there are certain aspects of prayer, or certain experiences in prayer where we are not coming to God as our Father. But we are coming to God as our judge. Just like the example I gave, if I'm coming to the courtroom and even though the, the judge is my father, in the courtroom, I can't address him as my father. I have to address him as my judge. And because of the setting of the courtroom, I need to know the legal, legal framework and the legal basis for which my request is being presented, the legal basis for which I'm arguing my case, the legal basis upon which I'm de demanding justice, all right? So we, the first legal word here is judge. The second legal word I want to I want us to point out is um, avenge. When the when when the unjust judge said um, uh, was it the unjust judge? Um, he said yes. He said I will avenge her, meaning I will carry I will execute just justice um, um, for the for the widow. Now this word avenge, meaning execution execution of justice, implies that there has to be a legal conclusion as to why the matter has to be how I, as to why justice has to be executed out all right and i also need to chip in at this point that yes god is a merciful god but god is also a just god all right and in the procurement of our, of our salvation there was the there's aspect of mercy and there's also the aspect of justice let me explain what i mean god in his mercy sent jesus christ to die for us we did not earn it we did not there's nothing we could do to make God send Jesus. Um, there's, there's nothing on our part that we could do, all right? However, for our sins to be, to be wiped away, for our sins to be forgiven, it wasn't just an act of God's mercy. It was an act of God's justice. Meaning that if God did not forgive our sins, the whole courtroom of heaven would have considered God to be an unjust God. And the reason why our sins, uh, why the forgiveness of our sins was an act of God's justice is because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, meaning if we sin, we die. And that's what God told Adam in the book of Genesis. And based on that instruction, based on that um, covenant, when man sinned, all that was accrued to him was death. So when Jesus Christ came as man, Jesus Christ legally died to satisfy the claims of justice, okay? And this is why you need to understand that even the devil plays, the devil understands the legal framework of the spirit realm, and the devil uses that a lot of times against um, the ignorant believer, all right? So Jesus Christ died 
the death that was that was due for every man to die. So in his dying, he died for all of us. Now it's just like saying, um, I owe I, am, I owe a man um, five hundred thousand naira, but then someone come and pays that man five hundred thousand naira on my behalf, according to the law of every society. Because the man has paid that five hundred thousand naira on my behalf, I I no longer owe the man, even though it was not my money that was directly used to pay. But I no longer owe the man. It is in the same way that legally Jesus Christ died for us. Even though it was not our lives that we did not die by ourselves, but Jesus Christ died in our stead. Meaning the justice of, of heaven no longer holds us, no longer says that we owe any debt anymore because Jesus Christ has paid it. Now, it is because of that that, that God had to forgive us our sins. So forgiveness is not just an act of mercy, but it's an act of justice. And in this dimension of prayer, we must understand that God is also a just God. He's a God that executes justice, all right? Now, the third legal word I want to introduce here is the word adversary. And um, that's a very interesting word. Now, the word adversary is a legal word that means um, someone, that, someone that brings up a case against you in very simple terms. Now, the word adversary is very is legal. A lot of times we think of the word adversary in context of, of a war, may, uh, meaning there's, let's say there's a, a country, country A is going to fight against country B in battle, and so country country A considers country B as their adversary. So we think about adversary in the, in the militant sense of it. But the word adversary is, first of all, a legal word. And the Bible says to us in... First Peter chapter 5, verse 18, that, the Bible, uh, that your adversary, the devil, is as a royal lion looking for who to devour. Meaning that when he says your adversary, the devil, is beginning to introduce a legal context. He's not introducing the devil in terms of um, someone who is fighting, you know, with, with strength and with might. No, he's introducing the devil as someone who is opposing us in the courtroom of heaven, who is op opposing us in a legal context. And it's important we know that one of the ways that, in fact, one of the major ways that the devil attacks the believer is from a legal standpoint, all right? Okay, so let us see quickly, and I will pro probably just end on this um, so that we can pray. But let me explain to us that the um, spiritual warfare is categorized into two, two aspects, largely. Um, there's what I call, this is my own term now, I call it the militant aspect, and this is the aspect where we are all familiar with where we're binding, we're casting, we're losing, we're calling down Holy Ghost fire, we are, we are rebuking, we are, you know, all the all the um, militant aspects of our warfare. It's something that we're all common with, all right? The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against power. So that wrestling, that, that wrestling dimension is what we are all conversant with. Now, the second dimension of warfare is the legal dimension. Now, Think about it this way. Before any country will go into battle against another country, the government of that country has to sign it. You know, let's say the Senate or however the country is organized, the, the governing body must, must approve that the army, the troops, can go into battle with another country. For instance, um, the, the, the Air Force or the army of a country cannot just wake up and decide to go and fight another country on their own. There has to be an executive order that gives them the permission to go into battle with another country. Now, that is the legal framework, and that is where every spiritual battle starts from. 
and that's where the where what controls the 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 militant aspect. So the army going into battle is what I refer to as the militant aspect, whereas the um, what the, the the executive order, you know, for lack of a better term, the executive order is the legal legal aspect, and we we as believers must understand the legal legal aspect of our of our warfare. So again, I make reference to First Peter chapter five. Verse 9, the Bible says that your adversary, the devil, so the adversary doesn't come to or come against us from a from a militant point, uh, point of view, but the adversary comes against us from a legal point of view. And I want to show us a scripture that explains these two dimensions of warfare. Um, quickly, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. We're going to pray in a minute. I just want to show something. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. Let me read that quickly. It says, this is a very popular verse of scripture. It says, no weapon formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that, rise, that shall rise up against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. It says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, said the Lord. So this is a scripture that we, we quote a lot of times when we, when we come to pray and when we when we want to resist the hand of the enemy in prayer. And this is a very powerful scripture. I want to show us two things that this scripture reveals to us. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That is the first aspect of warfare, the, the militant aspect, right? That's what I showed us, that um, the militant aspect, the battle part where, where the army is fighting against another army. So God was saying that if, it is, if, it's, if the battle comes in a militant way, he said that no weapon formed against you will prosper, okay? Then the next thing he now says that every tongue that shall rise against thee in what? In judgment. That is a legal aspect. So the legal battle involves tongues that are rising up against you. Um, those are tongues of accusation. Those are uh, words, of, words of accusation. And that is the legal aspect. And God says that and any tongue, every tongue that shall rise up against you in judgment, he says, thou shalt condemn Meaning our responsibility now is to condemn, to refute, to disannul anything that comes up against us in, in judgment, all right? So these are two dimensions of warfare that we must understand. The militant dimension and also the legal dimension of warfare. Now, there's still more to say about this, but I have to stop here because I wanted to show us, I want to show us courtroom operations you know, I mentioned that the devil, um, in this dimension of prayer, the devil, the, the devil is involved. The devil is part of this kind, is involved in this equation. And I wanted to show us from scriptures um, um, examples of this. And I also wanted to show us how we resist the devil. But we can't do that right now because we have to pray. But we're going to stop here. So don't forget, this dimension of prayer is legal in its context. You don't come to the legal, to the courtroom, um, with the expectation that God is my father, so anything I say you do for me. No, you come with the, with the knowledge of God as a judge and you need to understand the legal framework, the legal expectations, the legal implications of this kind of prayer. Let me close with an example um, I, I want to share with us. You know, I told that there are two, two dimensions of warfare, the legal and the militant dimension. Let me just share this experience I had. Um, I think I had this in 2014. So I was saying in school, this was, I was in final year in 2014, and on this particular day, we finished, um, we finished a program in church, a worship and prayer program. 
So I just decided I was going to go and see my friend in in in, a, in, in an office. Okay, this was in the evening. <clears throat> so while waiting for him, they all of a sudden they rushed. They rushed in a girl that was demon possessed, and they were you know, I mean they rushed her in and trust Christians were binding and casting. And me too, I'll be honest with you, I joined them and binding and casting. I said, I rebuke you, spirit, leave her, get out of her, call down fire, call down water, call down blood, call down everything. But the girl was just manifesting and manifesting and the demon wasn't coming out. So I got frustrated and I said, wait, 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 that calm down. That is not this difficult. Casting out demons should not be this. I mean, I was sweating. Think about it. And there was AC. You can imagine. There was AC in the room, in the office. And we we're all sweating. So I said, no, I told everybody to stop and calm down. I said, it's not this difficult. So I spoke to the demon and I told the demon to, I mean, because the demon had seized her, her vocal cords and was speaking through her. So I told the demon to shut up and let her speak, you know. And so I asked her what had happened. So the girl was now conscious and she spoke and said, oh, that she was um, she was lonely. I think at the age of 12, she was lonely and she needed company. So she started entertaining voices in her head. And then all in all, that's how she got possessed. So I told her that, OK, that does she want to be set free? She said yes. And this is OK. I'm going to explain the principle behind this. And so I told her that um, does she want to be set free? She said yes, she wanted to be set free. I said, okay, I led her to Christ to declare Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Then I also led her by her own mouth to re reject the influence and the, and the occupation of the devil in her life. And she did that. And once she did that, I spoke to the spirit and I rebuked the demon. And in that instant, the demon fell. And the demon left her, sorry, the girl fell under the power of God. And when she got up, she was conscious and she literally did not know anything that had happened at all. Mm. And then we let her um, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and all of that. Now, the principle, why, why I share this story is to show you a principle, that because she had willingly allowed the devil to come into her life, okay, the devil had every legal right to be there. So even when we were casting and binding, the devil didn't go because the devil is very intelligent and legalistic. He knows that if there's a legal reason for him to be there, our militant efforts will be in vain. I see this now. And a lot of times, Christians approach spiritual warfare from a militant perspective. They begin to bind and cast and lose. And then the circle keeps on going on. But to really achieve permanent victory, you need to understand the legal context. If the devil is in a place, then he's there because he has legal rights to be there. You need to disarm him legally before you now rebuke him and he will flee. Okay? And so that's exactly what, what we did there. We let the we allow we let the girl first of all to Christ, meaning let and let Jesus Christ have a legal access into her life. Then secondly, mm -hmm. we make sure that the girl re renounced the hold of the enemy. Remember, she was the one that allowed the devil to come in. So we needed to make sure that by our own words, and the Bible says, by your words you are justified, by your words you are condemned. So by her own words, we made sure she renounced the enemy, and then all we just did was to rebuke the devil and he left. So we need to understand this dimension. And I mean, time is not on our side. We probably will continue from here um, next week. But it's just important to know that this dimension of prayer is very, very strategic. I mean, it is so, so, so strategic. And I'll show you this. And a lot of the times when the devil has victory over the believer, it's not because the believer is not born again, but because the believer doesn't understand the legal basis and the legal framework. And like I told you, in this dimension of prayer, in this dimension of yeah, prayer, the devil is involved. So you need to know how to resist him. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. The Bible says, your adversary is like a royal lion looking for whom to devour. Um, who to devour. It says, who you steadfastly resist. 
So how do we resist the devil? What are the experiences? So all of that, we'll look at that um, next week's Bible study. All right. Yeah, so I know I was a bit fast, or I think I was a bit fast, but we just had a lot to cover. So we're going to take questions before we start praying. Quickly, anyone that has a question or possibly a, a contribution here, yeah, please, we'll just do that in, in four minutes. So we can, we can go into prayer. So please, if anyone has a question, this is the time to this time to go ahead. Yes, want to ask yes please. this dimension of prayer i don't know if this is actually very i don't know if this is a silly question but this dimension yes. of prayer so are we the ones that are we the ones that choose i don't know i don't know what's asking are we the ones choosing the dimension are we the, are we the ones or is there a specific time or do you get my, do you get my <laughs> oh yeah i get a question <laughs> i get a question okay. very good me, I will just stay in the dimension of fatherhood. <laughs> <I know. laughs> all right, all right. Very good question. Let me state for, um, before I answer question, let me state first of all that this dimension of prayer is separate from, from what we typically call the types of prayer, where you talk of intercessory prayer, um, prayer of petition, prayer of supplication. So this is different from, all of, from, those, um, from those aspects of prayer. Now, to answer your question is this. The dimension of prayer you, you engage in is, is dependent on what is on ground. And to be honest, right, many times we engage in all three dimensions depending on the situation at, on ground. Let me explain. When I come to fellowship with God in prayer, okay, when I come to fellowship with God, I'm fellowshiping with God as my father. I'm not fellowshiping with God as a judge. There's no fellowship with God as a judge. I'm, not, I'm fellowshiping with him as my father. I'm talking with him. He's talking back to me. I'm enjoying his company, enjoying his fellowship, and all of that. Now, if in the moment, in that, in that, um, what's the word now? In that session of prayer, if in that session of prayer, there are things that have been on my heart, maybe I'm seeking direction or clarity, then I begin to engage in prayer um, in the dimension of friends that we looked at, okay, where you are persistent, where you are inquiring and you are searching the heart of God for, for something that, that needs to manifest. Okay, or if probably God had promised me something, but time ha he hadn't yet manifested, then I begin to insist in the place of prayer that that thing comes to pass. So in that same session of prayer, I have switched from the father dimension to the friend dimension. All right. Now let's assume that while I'm insisting, let's say for instance, I'm praying for my family. Let's say for example, I'm praying for my family that God blesses everyone, that everyone makes progress in their life, that everyone um, advances. I am beginning to insist. And I'm insisting because God revealed to me at the beginning of the year that we will all make progress. So I'm, I'm insisting, I'm praying. Then in the midst of, in the, in the process of that prayer, God now reveals to me that the reason why maybe a member of my family has not made progress is because of something that legally happened in the realm of the spirit. What I now do is I need to address that legal um, that legal stronghold or that legal legal foundation. So in that same session of prayer, I switch to a legal ground and I begin to say that I come before the courts of heaven, I mean, just as an example, and I come with the blood of Jesus as my legal basis and I declare that because of this and that and that and that, this person is set free. So that's a whole legal dimension, okay? So to answer your question, in a single prayer session, you can go from, you can go, go through all three dimensions depending on what's 
um, the agenda of the prayer is at that point in time. You know, I mean, I understand you that many times you just want to stay in the, in the further, further dimension, but there are a lot of times where we need to do business. When you want to take over territories for God, you need to understand the legal framework because the devil operate. The devil is a principality, okay? Meaning he he he, he loves to he loves to colonize the territory. Have you ever gone to a place where you don't notice everybody's promiscuous or everybody's just the men in that territory love to steal? If you are going to break the stronghold, you need to know the legal basis and all of that. Okay, I hope that helps your question. It does. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, any other question? End the question. Um, in one minute, we'll answer one question before we begin to pray. Anyone, anyone, anyone? Wow, okay. So I am assuming we all understand it. Okay, so in absence of question, just one person, just one person. Um, share with me, someone that hasn't spoken before, please, share with me something you learned today before we begin to pray. Just one person, please. Something you've learned today that you will be putting into practice before we pray. Anyone wants to help us? One person, one person. Please share with us something you've learned today. Yes, we can, can hear you. Me? Yes, we can. Okay, so something that was very striking for me today is the story of the friend who went in the midnight. Mm. And I'm going to really like put to practice. There's no respect of time when there's desperation. Mm, mm, like virtual. say, oh, that may not be the right time and stuff like that. But there's no respect of time with desperate people. And then desperation removes fear. Because midnight, people will be afraid it's dark now. Maybe your juju will catch me outside. Those kind of mm. things. But there's no fear when there's desperation. It's like you are just immune. You know, when a, when a mother has a child in a building with fire, she's not thinking of anything. She's suddenly a superman. Yeah. So that kind of desperation, adrenaline, that kind of thing pushes out fear. I kind of feel like people are still afraid because they've not gotten to the desperate place. Mm -hmm. And then one thing you said mm -hmm. that struck me is the place of friendship where friendship will not work that day but this type of in this type of context it is persistence and then focus on on what you know when i read the bible the bible say as many as he need the, the guys start give me like three loaves give me a specific number but by the time the answer came in he said as many as there was no number tied to it mm. so i found out that when people are very desperate and they're going to give space God gives them as many as they need. So I kind of, I'm just blessed and I'm, 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 I'm going to really work with that this week because I want to move from being quanti having quantified answers to unquantifiable answer overflow where other people can be blessed. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Ebenezer. God bless you. Thank you so much for this sharing. All right, so we're going to go straight into prayer. Um, today, I wrote out our prayer points. Today, we're just going to pray one thing. And again, I, I, let me just say to why we're praying. Um, from last year, God began to please my heart that we need to also begin to pray. All right. And one of the powerful things any believer can do is to pray in the word of God. When you hear the word of God, it's powerful. In fact, you might hear revelation and you're excited. But the way you get the word of God down into your heart, right, is through prayer. So we're going to pray for the next 10 minutes. 
Okay, we're going to pray for the next 10 minutes. Um, pray. If you can pray in the spirit, please go ahead and pray in the spirit. If you can pray, you understanding, however you want to pray, we will go ahead and pray in that dimension. All right? And our prayer is this. Just simple prayer from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 19. And the prayer is that let the eyes of understanding be enlightened. Let the eyes of understanding be enlightened so that we know the hope to which has called us. Let God grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So we are making that a personal prayer point. Lord, grant me, Victor, the spirit of prayer and revelation. Lord, grant me uh, understanding. Grant me insight into your word in the name of Jesus Christ. So we're going to pray. Um, let us pray that. Um, let us begin to pray that. I'm going to share my screen so that I can so that I can, you know, play audio while we are, while we are praying. All right, so please let's go ahead and pray. Remember the prayer is this, God grants unto us, God grants unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. God grants unto me the spirit of and revelation. All right, let's, let's go, ahead, go ahead and pray. Several things that have, have been given us to us freely that we are unaware of, and it's impossible to, uh, to experience what we are ignorant of. So, I want us to pray that God grants us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let the eyes of the 
be enlightened. Let the eyes of understanding 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 be enlightened. Let the eyes Remember, Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray, always to pray. Always to pray and not to faint. Pray your understanding, pray the spirit, pray your understanding, pray the spirit. That God will grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Revelation is a function of the spirit. Revelation is a function of the activity of the Holy Ghost upon our hearts. Let God grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we get insight by the spirit of God, by the working of the spirit of God. That revelation, knowledge, wisdom will be will come to our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit. That will not be ignorant of the things that God will have us do. Will not be ignorant of the things that God has already provided for us. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We pray. If you've been struggling in any part, then in any aspect of your life, then you need wisdom. You need revelation. You need wisdom. You need revelation. You need insight. You need illumination that can only come from the Spirit of God. So I want us to pray, Lord, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. (laughs) 
break and break and then continue them. That the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, so that you will know the hope of His calling. You will know the reason why God has called you into this glorious inheritance. You will know the riches of His glory, uh, of, of the glory of His inheritance, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power that is already inside you. So three things that you will know the hope of His calling. You will come to tell of the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, and you come to understand the exceeding great power that is at work in you. Lord, we ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let our eyes be lighted. Let our eyes be lighted. Let our eyes be lighted by your spirit, O Lord. Let our eyes be lighted. Let our eyes be lighted by your spirit, O God. The things that we do not did not know before show us. The things that we are ignorant of reveal to us. The dimension that us for great is of realities. One last prayer I want us to pray is that God quicken my prayer life. Quicken my prayer life. Quicken my prayer life. Maybe you've been struggling up until this point. Maybe you've been struggling up until this point. I want us to pray as the Lord quicken my prayer life. Quicken my prayer life. Quicken my prayer life. If my prayer, if your prayer life has been dead, tell God to quicken it to set you ablaze in the place of prayer, to set you active in the place of prayer, to set you progressive in the place. Let every dead prayer life be awakened. Let every dead prayer life be awakened. Lord, quicken me in the place of prayer. Quicken me dimensions in prayer. Quicken me dimensions in prayer. Father, we bless you both. Lord, we worship you. Thank you, everlasting Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. All right. Um, let, let, let's say a word of prayer as we conclude the prayer session. Our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you because you are the Father of light. We come this day and we ask, Father, for illumination. We ask that you grant unto us insight by the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The things that you have given unto us freely cause us to be enlightened about them. Lord, let us know the hope to which you have called us. Let us know the glorious inheritance you, um, in the saints. And let us know the power that is at work in us because we believe in you. Father, cause us to be 
awake to these dimensions and to this reality. And Lord, I pray for everyone here that if there's anyone whose prayer life has been lagging behind, we ask, Father, that you set them on fire, set them on blaze. Let there be a quickening and uh, an and awakening in the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, everlasting Father. To you, all the glory and praise. We thank for today's Bible session. We thank for, um, for helping us to gather today. We declare that next week will be an amazing time in your presence and fellowship, in fellowship together. To you be all the praise and all the glory. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, um, just, just as we close, let me just encourage us right that this year is not the year to this year is not the year to not be prayerful. Right? You have to be prayerful this year. Um, we have to pray for this year as believers. There's so much this season is so loaded, it's so pregnant. And the only way you will give birth to what God is birthing or what God is doing in this season is in a place of prayer. Okay, so next week we're going to continue. There's still some things I need to really share, especially regards um the legal dimensions of prayer. So we're going to continue from that next week, but also majorly next week, we want to look at prayer and fasting. We want to look at scriptures and know why prayer and fasting is important. What does it do? What does it entail? What it is not? How to go about it? And you know, all of that. So please join us next week. And by God's grace, the week after that, we are going to look at um, praying in tongues. Yes, it is such a powerful topic. And please, let me say this here. If there's anybody that you know that doesn't pray in tongues, please invite the person. And if you yourself, you are listening to me, you don't pray in tongues, please come and join us um, for this will, be, this will be the next week. No, not, not the upper week. Thank you. So two weeks from now, yeah, we're going to look at that. So it's going to be eye-opening. It's going to be amazing. All right? So God bless you. Um, we're going to see you next week. Same time, same link, um, same everything. Um, all right. So take care. Have a wonderful night, everyone. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, please, before we go, hold on. Just one more thing. One more thing, please. If this is your first time joining us, please, can you just tell us your name and who invited you? Just quickly. I, I almost forgot that. Um, anyone, this is your first time. I can almost spot you. Anyone, if this is your first time, please just tell, tell us your name, um, who invited you. And I guess that's it. Baby girl, please, can you tell us? Um, go ahead, introduce yourself. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, my name is, yeah, my name is Baby Gashoname. Um, nobody invited me. I invited myself. <laughs> I, 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 I saw, um, I saw the link on uh, Victor's, on our, on our pastor, let me call him by, on our pastor's status. Um, I mean, I've been seeing it for a while, but it just didn't click. I should, I should join. But I guess um, tonight, I, 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 I just um, had a, a nudge in my heart to also join. Um, and um, it, the time I joined, I mean, for the short time I joined, it's been very refreshing. And um, I'm glad to to learn a lot more about um, prayer. Yeah, thank you so much for 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 the time well invested into us. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thanks so much, Bimga. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you. Um, anyone again joining us for the first time? Um, Jesu Femi, is this your first time? I may be wrong, but is this your first time joining us? 
Nope. Oh, okay. Uh, please, who invited you? The who invited you the first time you joined here? Yeah? Um, Auntie Lizzie. Um, that is Faith, I believe. That yes. goes by several names. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, thank you so much, guys. Bye. Thanks for your time. See you next week, and God bless you. Thank you very much. God bless you. Bye. Good night. Good night.